Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hey, you guys. Welcome to today's show. It's so Hi. good to be talking with you. I've missed Lorian. I've missed... Jeff, everybody, here we are all back together. Um, you know, the last, the past few weeks, we've taken the time off to do our own personal work around the Black Lives Matter movement, um, with the first and last step being listening. Uh, we've also been reading, um, protesting, and giving financially. You know, it's a really big, essential topic. Um, we plan to continue the work and to find ways to help make real change specifically in our industry, such as a possible mentor program that I'm, I'm gonna try to put together. And I wanna thank my friend, Willie Hagen, who has been helping me put that together. Um, I can't talk more about it right now because we're still doing it, still trying to get it together. But as soon as uh, we do that, I will of course talk to you guys about it here and make it available to you guys. So, um, you know, also of course, any questions, ideas or ways we can help on your journey especially people of color, please remember to reach out to us on Facebook and our Gmail address. Um, if we don't have the answer, we will find it. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really missed everyone and what Meg said, and uh, it's really great to be back. And today we're going to be talking about outlining or chunking, um, which we've discussed, but not covered in length. So we're uh, really excited about that. Yeah. So we had some questions. People came in and asked us to talk more about that. So you know, we're here to answer your questions, so we will. But before our topic, we're going to talk about our week or what we like to call adventures in screenwriting. Lauren, yes. it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. So. Um, I, I, I've been struggling with insomnia. <laughs> That's like so that. Point. Yeah, which is new. Uh, and so uh, I don't like it insomnia. at all. What's that? A lot of people with the stress of the coronavirus and. Yeah, and I'm not a fan, so I'd like to pass on this, but it doesn't seem to be listening. Uh, and so it's really, um, it's exaggerating all of my other sort of issues that come up around like anxiety or fear of failure or all that stuff. So it's really hard to sort of wrangle any sort of uh, considered writing or, you know, like all of my like second guessing and self-doubt, like all that stuff now feels like I'm like, there's like six feet tall demons hanging around with me all night and all day. So last night I actually got some sleep. Yay. So um, I feel great. Okay, I feel okay. I don't feel great. Um, uh, but you know, so, you know, this week I have been really, really busy and it's hard to know if that busy feeling and that exhausted feeling is from like the work I've been doing or from like not sleeping. Um, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. This week I had, you know, I had a producer meeting I'm doing some script editor work for a couple projects for Screen Australia, which I love working with those writers and directors in that organization. And um, I had a general meeting yesterday, which was really great. It's always so much, it's for me, you know, being in lockdown and not being around other people is really awful. I really hate it. You're like, a and person. I'm a people person and it, and Zoom is good, I guess, but I'd rather talk on the phone, honestly, so I can like walk or be doing something. Um, but I had a really good meeting yesterday with somebody and it was a really fun conversation. And I think we're gonna work on something together. So that felt, you know, that's what I miss with talking to people is people getting excited about me and me getting excited about them and having that energy exchange. So maybe that's why I finally slept. I got some external validation. <laughs> 
Okay, it's um, good to know yourself. It's good to know yourself and what you need. Yeah, but this is awful. Like yeah. this is really awful, and not in like a boohoo, poor me, but just acknowledging that this is part of being a writer right now. Being a part of an, I'm an extrovert. You know, I took one of those tests once, and I'm like off the charts extrovert. So uh, surprised everyone. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, and I'm writing. I'm writing and trying not to beat myself up about every word I put down because I'll do this thing where I'll write a couple pages and then be like, terrible, throw it away. And then instead of pushing through and, you know, why do I think it's terrible? It doesn't matter that it's terrible. Keep going. Like all the brilliant advice that Meg gives us on this podcast. I'm like, suddenly I can't hear it. I'm like, nope, <laughs> my demons are louder than anything I've ever said or Meg's ever said. So you know, it's a piece of this. And, you know, the, the other piece too is, I think this is an important topic we should talk about at some point, which is writing at home during lockdown with our kids and our families here. You know, like how many of us have had, you know, our kid come into the frame at like the worst possible moment during a pitch or during a meeting and, and it's real, right? And we, I think we have to address that and that uh, all those things that I feel so worried about school and homeschooling and all that, like it's a, it's a big deal to have to worry about this. You know, some, we have single parent writers in the industry. We have, you know, both like a writing team and they have kids. And so this is big, a big thing on my mind too. Like, how am I going to manage, you know, in the fall, if we don't go back to school or it's part-time school or, you know, that's a. That is the difference between you and me, because I just choose to not think about that and ignore it completely. <laughs> Because oh. it will overwhelm me if I think about the fall. I literally, my brain will fry and I will not be able to write. So I'm completely ignoring it. I'm so I chose the, the first one, right? If there's a dog, a bone for me to worry on it, I'm gonna be like, chew on that bone, right? Like I, if there was an opportunity for me to grab on something. So I have chosen to distract myself from my actual work by cycling out about school and well, the other thing that I've that. been I've been able to worry about, which I want to say just in case, real quick, is spectrum in my area is dropping, like it literally is just dropping. And I was on a academy um, Zoom for um, their mentees, like a hundred people watching, and it dropped three times. So we might have that happen today. I <laughs> I lose about five pounds with adrenaline, uh, so it's great for me. But, um, it's a good weight loss plan, Meg. Let no. you know that uh, that might happen. Um, How was your week? Or my weeks? my weeks? Um, you know, I, I'm working on both moving from an outline to a script, as well as kind of originating um, two different projects. So um, on the moving from outline to script, um, I always like to tell you stuff that I'm discovering as I do my work. So I realized, oh right. So in the outline, this scene is literally like a paragraph, maybe. But when you actually go to write it, there's like 12 things happening in here and all of these plot things are landing and character relationships are hitting and it's just way too much. And you don't even know that until you get in there. And, I, you know, it can be a bit of a panic, like, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> uh oh, did I did we lose Meg or did I? I couldn't tell. If we no, I think Meg. it's her. You know what? It's there she is. Oh. She's back. Um, I'm in here. Oh no. I'm sorry, you guys. She's back. This is gonna I just want you to know, I just want you to know, Meg, that you froze in a really attractive. I think it was pretty. Was it pretty? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was um, good. <laughs> so I, you know, I um 
I, I, I'm going through the experience of outline to script and what doesn't work, what works in outline and what doesn't. And you change one thing in the front and suddenly the back, you realize we have to change all of this. So my advice is just to keep going and keep working it as you're in the script and just go over and over and over it. And just, it is that slog through of push through, get to the end, go back, go back. Um, and you know, I had one day where I have so much going on and yet I had, I wrote for four hours on this spec and I had to throw it all away. And I really felt so angry and frustrated because I was like, I don't have that four hours to waste and throw it away. But I had to throw it away because it didn't work. Um, this thing we tried didn't work, but that is part of the writing process. And now I, I did learn things from doing it, but it's equally frustrating for me. And I guess what I wanted to talk about is dealing with disappointment. Like I'd worked for four hours and it doesn't work. Just how much disappointment is part of the process of any creation? Um, but especially writing, um, you know, maybe it's the, it's the disappointment of the notes you got back or pitching on zoom and, you know, people, zoom is so bad because people literally on zoom are like this, like they're looking like, what? And you're like, I can see you while I'm pitching. Can you like smile and like pretend to be interested? But like literally the disappointment's hitting as you're pitching that they're not getting it. Um, oh my God, you so get it and they don't get it. Or maybe you're just read over your pages and you're disappointed in them because you thought they were great, but they're actually maybe not, or you're not sure. So my advice and disappointment and whatever, however it comes up is just get to the next stone in the path. Just get to the next good spot. It does wonders. Like I literally, I was so kind of in a bad spot and feeling horrible. And like I was a horrible writer and I was a total loser and I just had, I just kept writing. I literally just kept pushing through and it really felt like I was going through the motions. And I, you know, a lot of people think about writing as inspiration and, uh, you know, it's like this magical flow and yeah, that happens sometimes, but honestly, a lot of times it's literally just, I'm pretending to be a writer right now because I do not know, I don't know how to make this work. And I don't even like you people that I'm writing about anymore because you're bugging me because you will not make any sense. And I'm not connected to these characters and oh my God. And I just keep writing and I just keep writing the scenes. And then I had this amazing thing happen where all of a sudden it started to click and I went, entered that flow. I did. And it wasn't like, oh, within 20 minutes, I'm talking like all day. And then all of a sudden I entered the flow and I wrote a really good scene. And I knew it was a good scene as I was writing it. And all of a sudden I was like, I like these people and I like them together and I like what's happening. I would have never gotten there if I hadn't just kept going stone to stone, go to the next scene, go to the next one. This sucks. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. This actually makes no sense because I wasn't connected yet. And, but the only way I can see that really you're going to get connected is by writing the scene. Sometimes writing outlines or talking about it helps you, but honestly, not really, because it's a different part of your brain, right? They have to walk around. They got to talk. So, you know, I, I personally realized as a writer, I connect to relationship. Mm -hmm. I connect to the characters relating to each other, and that's how I find them. So if I'm always just talking about who the character is, or I'm always an outline, I never get to do that. I never mm. get to have them talk to each other and interact and surprise me, which is the best part of writing when you're like, I have no idea why she's getting off the horse. Where is she going? Oh my God, she's pulling out her sword. What is going to happen? Like, that's the best, right? But it's not like I do that all day long. 
I literally get moments of it. I get pieces of it. And that's why I'm a writer, just to get there, right? But I just want to say to everybody, it's hours and hours and hours and days of work sometime of just going through the motions to get there. Like that is writing. Like it, we, we, all, we all have some idea in our head that, you know, these writers like Hemingway just sat down and wrote and were these geniuses. I'm sorry, I just don't believe it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a lot of blood, sweat and sucky stuff, man. Like it's just, just try to, that's what the chunk it out. Just try to get back into curiosity. Try to get back into finding the slimmest net thread of connection because they said something that was interesting to you or all of a sudden and that I get it the demons are telling you stop this doesn't work but I'm telling you and telling your demons you have to go forward in order to get there and you have to go forward stopping I don't believe most of the time will actually get you there and it's really hard because it feels super like you can't breathe sometimes because it's just like, you you know, some part of your brain knows it doesn't work. So that, you know, I yeah. really had this great experience of having that That's happen. Great. I will tell you the next day <laughs> after <laughs> that great scene, I wrote another really bad scene. <laughs> so it, you know, it's not like it just comes, you turn on the tap and now it's on until you want to turn it off. You know, right. it's what happens. So I think it, I think that's, that's what we talk about discipline. Like that's what we're talking about is that you, it's not just putting in the time. It's, it's really committing to do it because it feels like uh, when you, when I get to that place where I'm like, I get to that stone, I can't even see the next stone in the path ahead. Right. right? And it feels like the abyss and it feels like the demons and the abyss of trying to jump to that next stone is confronting my identity as a writer, mm-hmm. as a creative person. So I feel like, Oh, if I just stay on this stone, to wallow in this, right? And not even jump, then I can still kind of pretend I'm a writer, right? But it's the jumping, and but it's the confronting that and trying to put all of that aside is really, really hard. So it, it it's like staying in the seat, staying in the scene, writing, typing, like not falling off the chair and bursting into tears, which I have done. Write the bad um, scene, write the scene yes. as bad as you can. Choose it's, rock. It, 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 I swear to God, you know who ha- who knows the next stone? Your character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your character knows it, but that you have to write in order for them to tell you. And you know what? Maybe it's going to be a rock that you freaking hate. It's full of moss, it stinks, and it's underwater. But okay, it's a rock, and it's going to get you to the next rock and the next rock. And f- eventually, you might get to a place that you realize, I don't even need any of those rocks. But mm-hmm. I never would have gotten to this little island if I hadn't gone on all those shitty rocks. Mm-hmm. So... Yes, it is sometimes like leaping into the unknown and uncertainty because you don't know what the that there's a rock under your foot. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you there is, there is a rock under there and you have to keep going because standing on your rock that you're certain of is not going to get you anywhere. It's not mm-hmm. writing. You can't get to that island over there mm-hmm. by wishing it, right? It, it's literally a slog through that swamp and I'm out of metaphors for rocks and water <laughs> but because then it's dry and then it's a canyon <laughs> but you know yeah, I just I just yeah. wanted to talk about that and the other little quick thing was um you know we got a question that is something I'm going through from Kristen uh, Christine in LA about the rewriting process and um uh you know, you can be rewriting because you get notes or you can be rewriting because you read it or you and your partner read it. There, there's lots of ways to be rewriting. 
And um, for me, as, as a feature, I always, we've talked about this in terms of a question of how do I do it, is I always organize the notes towards what's the biggest note, what's the, the bottom note, right? Is it about the tone? Is it that they you you actually are writing a different movie than the note? Then you're not communicating the tone of the movie and what kind of movie it is. You know, um, are you? Is it about the relationship? Is it probably about your main character and their want and their drive and making them vulnerable and your plot's not making them vulnerable? You have to go to the big one first and really work that one out. And I so I work that one out and then I see where the other ones fit and then I just I go back and I card again. Now mm -hmm. I'm writing a TV spec, so I can't do that necessarily because you're going through a process with executives where they've read an outline and now you're supposed to write it. But I still am doing that deep work with Jonathan in terms of really going down in and looking and saying, well, where is this, I, this character just seems super flat and that's because this relationship is flat and that's because the plot is not forcing them into exposing each other. So, um, you know, my advice about rewriting is go always go back to the biggest problem and recard it back out even, uh, no matter what you do and um you know realize it's all for me rewriting is all about going back to the vulnerability of the character always going back to that um what what makes me feel anything what am i emotionally mm -hmm. connecting to mm -hmm. so, um, that was my time <laughs> it was a big week <laughs> it was a big week it was a big week wow. well i'm gonna go ahead and hop other... in oh sorry lauren go ahead Oh, I was just going to say the other thing I'm doing this week is waiting. I have some projects out there that I'm waiting for feedback on, right? Like they, and one could go and one could not go or one could, and that's, that's also, I think adding, cause it's hard for me to do that thing where like, oh, it's out there. I'm going to forget it, right? Moving on because I know I'm waiting, right? And the, and it could be a great big fat yes and yay, or it could be like, <clears throat> You stink, you know, which I know isn't really the answer, but it's That's you know pretty black how and white. I feel. <laughs> I am a black and white thinker. I'm working on it because you know one of my projects I've been working on for a couple of years now, and it keeps kind of resurrecting. So it's like, oh, it's dead. I have to let it go. I bury it. I have a funeral, and now, oh, it's back. So it's that's one of them. So it's you know, it's emotional. It's yay or. Yeah. I give my script out and I realize I'm being really mean to my children because I'm so nervous about people giving me notes. It's so bad. Uh, so yeah, yeah. yeah. waiting sucks. Yeah, anyway, so. Waiting sucks. Yeah. Waiting, sucks. waiting Waiting sucks. All right, Jeff, I'm sorry, you were gonna say something. No, it's no problem. I uh, wanted oh. to make sure we were gonna shout out some of our listeners with some amazing reviews. Of course, uh, this is Megan Lorian's favorite part of the show where I read- um, Oh no, remember? Remember, this is my favorite part. I have yes. chosen to love this. Absolutely. Um, and before I read these reviews, I want to make one quick book recommendation. Um, it had been mentioned in our Facebook group. So if you're not in the Facebook group, make sure you hop in. But it's a book by Elizabeth Gilbert called Big Magic. Um, I don't know if many of our listeners have much um, experience with Elizabeth Gilbert, but she's this amazing thought leader in creativity. And when you guys were talking about just needing to show up and find those stones, she has this TED Talk. It's about 18 minutes called Your Elusive Creative Genius. And what it's about is... Um, the fact that nowadays we usually say that people are geniuses. We'll be like, Aaron Sorkin is a genius. But the word genius actually in historic times was something that came to you. So it was more this idea of a spiritual force and anyone could have genius at any point, but genius may choose to leave you that day. So the, what Elizabeth Gilbert says is like, you have to show up 
genius may not show up with you that day, but it might. And if you don't show up, a genius does, it's a missed opportunity. So it's this really amazing, very freeing look at the way we look at genius and creativity. And I would just, I'll recommend, I'm going to recommend it and put it in the show notes. That's great. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with, um, let's see, C. Stroman One, who says, the musings of two muses on the life of screenwriting. Beyond the mechanics and business of screenwriting, Meg LaFauve and Lorian McKenna provide their excellent insights into the day-to-day -day and week-to-week -week life of being a screenwriter. Best of all, it's provided from a much-needed woman's perspective, which is a breath of fresh air to these ears. Very true. Um, Swaggy E. The Lotus says, this is my new favorite podcast. This podcast offers the best of both worlds when it comes to screenwriting wisdom, practical advice of the intellectual sophistication and sage emotional insight into the heart and soul of why writers write. I learn and grow so much with each episode. Thanks, Megan Lorian. I'll read one more quickie. This comes from Wally Casting. It says, I'm a big fan. This is the best screenwriting podcast I've listened to. So insightful and educational in the business and craft of screenwriting. What really works is the co-host's chemistry. Yeah. Oh, so very nice. <laughs> Thank you. God, these, these reviews are so well written. They are. I know. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, um, yeah. All right, should we go on to our topic? Yeah. Let's do so it. We, we got, uh, we've gotten a couple of requests for this, um, but the most recent, um, we got an email from Karen. She's an Emmy nominated screenwriter. And she said, I've heard Meg mention chunking out her script a few times. And I love to hear Meg unpack this concept. How does she go back and forth between cards and the chunked out outline? How does writing pages change the outline for her? Do useful surprises come more often during outlining or while writing script pages? How refined does the outline get? Um, how does Meg's process compare to Lorian's? Outlining is such an essential topic that gets touched on, but I'd love to hear it explored in more depth. So All right. Chunking. That is how we were inspired. Yeah. My uh, chunking or puke draft, or we can name it anything, right? So, um, so, um, I'm just going to answer the questions as they are. Okay. Uh, how does she? How do I go about before uh, between cards and chunking and an outline? Uh, what I do, and I do different things, honestly, for different projects. Like I was doing one that was based on historical fact, and that needed tons and tons of cards, right? Because that's just a lot of research. So there's a lot of research I do much more, outlining and 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 cards um, versus maybe um, something that's purely fictional. Um, so I, what I do is I always start with kind of a very large 30,000 foot couple of steps I outline in my, for myself and I might do it on a whiteboard. I find whiteboards for myself are the best, which is where I literally am just saying where, who's the main character? What do they want? Why do I care about them emotionally? How, how am I gonna meet them? How am I attaching to them? What's their vulnerability? I, I know my basic, things that I need for a character. And then I say, what is their inciting incident? What's their end of act one? Some sort of midpoint, it could be something like this. Midpoints can be really, really tricky. What's the main relationship that's moving through this? Really important for me is what's their end of act two? Because that is the theme of the, of the, of, of the movie and why I care about it. So to me, I really spent a lot of time on where they're starting, what they want, what what is their secrets and all that great character stuff. But then I really go and I look at, okay, what's the end of act two? What are they realizing about themselves? And then I kind of have an idea of, if I don't know what the action of the climax is, I know what I want their character to be doing. So when I say like an outline, I mean, literally I'm tracking 
the biggest, biggest movements of the character and the main relationship. And then I might do my puke draft from there, honestly, because that's a container, right? It's a little roadmap, but it's not so done that I get worried if I'm going off of it, right? So it's kind of like, here's a version. She's gonna start here and she's gonna end here. I think this is the main relationship that's gonna help crack her open. This is the kind of conflict that she's facing. And this is really the kind of emotional end of act two I wanna get her to, even if it's a kind of a little bit broad even. I don't know how I'm gonna get her there. I don't know who's with her, but I know emotionally what I wanna feel. And then I do a puke draft and I just write and write and write and write. And from there, after that puke draft, I might go to cards, right? Because now I've mm -hmm. kind of, I allow it to come up. I allow the, I allow the writing and the creativity and the, the genius, let's just say the, 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 uh, the, 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 the muse of the genius to come or not. Um, it doesn't matter because it's just clay. Nobody's going to see it. It doesn't have to be good or bad. There's no judgment about it because it's literally like a dream. It's just a dream I had. And so I, and I have fun and I try to really make sure it's fun. And if it goes off and I don't know what act two is, I might stop and say, wait, where am I going? Or I might just keep going. But the trick is to get to the end because the end tells you the beginning. So now I've got a lump of clay and now I might card, right? And then from carding, I might go to like a treatment, but generally you might do, I would do that mostly for executives. I don't generally do a treatment. I generally do cards and then, and that, and then I go to a quote unquote real draft, at which point, by the way, it all could go off again. But so when I say chunking, I kind of mean that, what uh, that puke draft, that draft where you kind of have the basic uh, holes, the basic stops along the character's journey but I'm just chunking out what's coming in between to get there. Does that make sense? Like, okay, it could be this, it could be that. And then she's gonna go to the gas station and she's gonna meet him at the gas station. And I'm, but I'm literally writing the scene. I'm not writing an outline. I'm literally right, letting her walk in, letting her meet him because he might say something right now that surprises me about his character and changes, starts to change this. And then her response might change. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want that chunking out to be an active, alive thing. It needs to be alive. Like it needs mm -hmm. to have energy to it. So now that's, it's different in, 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 in animation where you do a lot more carding um, because it's much more of a collaborative, yeah. more like TV experience where you're around a table and people are throwing out ideas and you're putting cards on a wall um, and you're usually working with a director. So you have, to, but really, if you think about it, that's really the chunking out that I'm talking about, but with other people, <laughs> right? Right. Where right. there are muses throwing out, well, she could go here. I don't really get that. Or it could be this. And, you know, then you're kind of chunking out in cards and putting it up as cards. Um, I tend to get very detailed on those cards, whereas a director I'm working with right now, he's really good at keeping it very kind of top in terms of like five words on the card. So it just depends on who you are and how you're going to do that. Um, mm -hmm. So, and how does writing pages change the outline for her? I mean, it, see, it's kind of a symbiotic. They're the same. Uh -oh. oh, she froze. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a thing. But, you know, I, I know what she's talking about, which is that, you know, the last, uh, oh, you're back. My back? You're back. Okay. See? You ended like this with your hands clasped together. You were saying it's a symbiotic thing. Yeah, between outlining and, and writing and that that chunking uh, script. You know, you have to, the outline is only there to help your brain get to the script. The thing you're trying to get to is the script. And if you need little signposts to help you get there or an outline, then do it. 
And if you don't, don't, right? Like, don't think you have to outline. You don't. I tend to like to know. Oh, there she went again. I mean, I think uh, the, the big part of this is it's great to know other people's processes and to understand what Meg is talking about, but really like every project has its own life and every writer has their own process that works. And sometimes it's hard to really uh, define what that process is, like to say, this is what I do. Some writers are really able to do that. And um, I am i don't, right? Like I wouldn't be able to sit down and tell you like, here's my philosophy about it. It's sort of each project becomes its own thing. Right now I'm writing something original and I just realized I have to stop intellectualizing my process. Like mm. I'm gonna do cards, I'm gonna do this. I'm just gonna sit down and start writing. Yeah. Right. I'm just and it's and it's a thing like in a parking lot, right? I'm not gonna write the scene description. I'm just gonna write she's in the parking lot. And then if I feel inspired to write the scene, I will and keep moving because this is a high concept idea I have, but I don't I don't know a lot about it. I've been trying to approach it from a very high level but I haven't gotten into my main character enough yeah. so I'm just now gonna put her in the world and see what she does and sort of it'll be sort of a scriptment I hope which will be like describing where I want those sort of chunks to be and where I hope she's gonna go but letting her letting her lead because me trying to tell her who she is and what she needs to get done is not working like she's not cooperating at all I think that's um, important because like we we chose screenwriting because we love the craft. We love dialogue. We love letting characters in a room to talk to each other. So I think like, because we chose that craft, our instinct is to get in there and write that. So I think like the scriptman approach is valuable because those pivotal scenes that you probably have already cooked in your head, you can actually get in there and start writing them. Right. And they might not be as sexy and amazing as I think they are when I get them on the page, but they might lead me somewhere else. Mm -hmm. which will be where I need to go. So I think um, I can get caught in that trap of intellectualizing what I'm writing or my process or how it's supposed to go. But, you know, as Meg tells me, just sit down and write it, right? Like stop beating yourself up about, you know, all these other things. Um, I will say I really like adaptation. I really like working with, with IP because I like working in partnership with other writers. And so working on a book feels like I'm working in partnership with the author of the book. And so um, the mm -hmm. last adaptation I did, I had a, I made a book, right? It had like a theme tab and it had like, and I pulled out all the pages that were that. And that really helped me organize everything so that when I sat down to write my 70 page outline of a feature, you know, became this massive scriptment, but I, because I'd done all that work ahead of time, sort of breaking the book down and understanding what the theme was and the things that I could let go of and the things that I needed to hold on to is that sort of chunking piece, like in this massive book, what was the movie version of it gonna be? Uh, so it's that sort of outlining chunking piece. And I had a great time with that. Um, but yeah, I got this, the outline quote was 70 pages long because it was scenes, it was ideas, but I have never felt so amazing as when I finished that scriptment. I was like, I have something. I have something written down that now I can write my draft from. So it was just, you know, it's the writing. Meg, are you back? I am back. I'm on my phone, hoping okay. it works better. Um, okay. Yeah, and just, I just wanted to say in terms of her question, Karen's question, I think that um, in terms of where the surprises come, I think the goal is to have them coming all the time, right? To allow them to come. 
Mm. You know, I sometimes like when I'm working in animation, I find myself starting to grasp on like, no, 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 don't change that. We did this. We've got the pathway. You know, those are the stones. We have the stones. Do not take the stones away. But that they're always getting thrown up in the air and you have to allow it to be malleable, allow it to be fluid, allow the stones to get thrown out and you're, there's going to be new ones so that if you get to the end of your outline and in the third act, you realize, oh my God, she doesn't want to do this. She's going to do this. And some surprise comes to you. You have to allow that, right? Mm -hmm. Don't be like, I'm not going to do that because it makes me have to change all this other stuff. You know what? Take a day, change the other stuff and see if it's worth it. Like you don't know, you have to allow the interaction and the fluidity of it to be there. And I know it's scary, uh, but that's the best stuff. The best stuff, it, and I, here's the crazy thing. I, sometimes when I get notes that I really don't like, or I'm just like, oh, that's gonna blow everything up. Ah, you know, fuck you, fuck me, okay. Uh, I, sometimes the solution to that is the most surprising fun thing, right? So it can, you have to push sometimes to the surprise, right? Push yourself. You know, at Pixar, the only rule was, is this the best story? That's a really hard question. That's a very high bar. Like, is this the is this the greatest way to express this? Is this the most interesting? Is he unique? Is his dialogue now making him sound differentiated? Am I getting enough out of this dialogue? Whatever that is. So, um, I don't don't lock down and make the, the outline doesn't have to be a should or a have to. It's a tool to get you to the script. Mm. And if it's a tool that is now limiting that script, that is now limiting you, that is making you not do it, then forget that tool. I mean, unless you have to because you've been paid to write an outline and then it is, right. yeah, you're gonna get notes on it and you have to do it and you're gonna, you should revise it a lot and let the surprises come in that form. But you know, I have to be honest, sometimes my brain doesn't wanna do it that way. It wants that, it doesn't wanna do it as an observer, like, intellectually it, it wants to do it because they're walking around and talking and I'm getting to know who they are yeah. that might mean if I have to write an outline for money that I have to go write some scenes that nobody will ever see just so I can get in the water because I don't know right which I guess is to you Lori your point is the scriptment where you're just allowing yourself into the water every once in a while to write yeah. more of a scene and to get that flavor and, and magic of, of relationship up into yeah. the, the scriptment and you know, it's funny, you yeah. guys, everything I've been doing in the last couple of years, it, every from large, big action thing pitches to small things, everybody's asking the same question. How can we make this more emotional? How can we make this more emotional? I don't feel the emotion yet. I don't get her fully yet. Like, that's what I'm driving towards in terms of surprise too. Is surprises in the relationship, surprises in how their characters are turning and how they're showing me who they are. So the outline is just a tool really. And this chunking for me gets by the critic. It's by the demon who's afraid that there's no stone there because you're like, I'm just chucking this out. I, it doesn't matter. We're just throwing some stones down here. This, I don't know. Yep. That's right. You're right. This sucks, but it's a stone. Let's jump on it and see where it goes. Where does it go? Just be curious. I don't know. Just chunk it out. Just chunk it out. And it'll start to tell you, it'll start to solidify upon, around those structure points of your character, right? how the character is moving and those structure points are where we're emotionally attaching to them in very strong ways. So that's always what I go back to as my number one tool. So what if you, uh, so I've talked to a couple of writers about this who, you know, you, you chunk it out, you have an idea of your midpoint and your ending and your theme, and then you start writing and the whole, all your chunks fall apart. If, uh -huh. You know, like 
do you, would you suggest keeping your eye on those chunks and continuing to see that path through and or going the other path that it wants to go? Like, do you explore both versions? Like, how do you, well, yeah, how would you I manage that? Great. You know, what's interesting, I think having not worked with a bunch of writers as a, a mentor, I think it depends on the kind of writer you are. There are writers who, because all of us avoid in different ways, right? And we protect ourselves in different ways. So if you're a writer who avoids by having lots of ideas that you don't finish, then when you get in and you find out your chunks don't work, you absolutely must finish it the way it is chunked out. Because you've got to teach, because it could be an avoidance tactic of your brain. It could be a jump off because you're actually afraid to complete, right? Or there's other writers who they only write one, they have like one project and they just rewrite it over and over and over and over and over. And it's so precious. That writer, if they get in and the chunking doesn't work, absolutely go with it. Go with whatever just came up, forget the chunking, go right towards this new thing and develop that muscle of it's okay, it's fine. Chunk it out again, go again, go again. Now, like at Pixar and other places, if it wasn't working, you would just throw it all down on the ground, right. chunk out a whole brand start new. Over. Yeah. Start over, start yeah. over. I tend to do that because I got trained that way at Pixar. To start over, chunk it out again, go again, go again. It's, yeah. Which is really yeah. emotionally challenging. But uh, yeah, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great that as a writer, we aren't constantly confronted by self-knowledge? <laughs> You know, like having to evolve as a creative person, being available for the genius. It is such you know. an evolution of yourself, man. It's unbelievable. So it really depends, right? On terms of your question of if, if those chunks don't yeah. work, really get honest with yourself about who you are and, and where you're, we all avoid somehow, right? I avoid by being over, over committed. That's how I avoid getting into the, some of the darker vulnerable stuff right so but in a way sometimes I can use that as the thing to slam me into it because like, I don't have time just write it right and there right. it comes um, right so it's 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 figuring out who you are and uh, but generally in a general way I would say if the chunking isn't work re-chunk it as you guys are talking yeah. um and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this but I like John Favreau a lot um and he talks about movies in a really interesting way he says that like movies are like four to six amazing pivotal scenes that you'll remember when you leave the theater surrounded by scenes that are good enough to get you to those big ones. So like, I think to think about a movie that way, it almost helps my brain be like, okay, this is a way to outline. If I can get these incredible pivotal moments, uh, if I, I just, we need to get our characters there in the in-between kind of thing. What's interesting to me about that, because I think that's great if that helps you, is that's the way a director would think. Yeah. Like, of course, a director, mm -hmm. and I mean that with great respect, a director mm -hmm. needs those four or five big scenes that he's going to show his stuff as a director. He's going to do character. He's going to do action. He's going to do visuals you've never seen. Like he wants four or five scenes. He can do all of those things. So if you're a writer and you hear that, you all, if that's not your process and that, you know, like that would not be my process, but I hear it yeah. and I think, do I, I literally just thought, do I have those four or five scenes in the spec I just wrote? Because it is going to be handed yeah. to a director and it is yeah. a big, it's a big TV show. And I'm like, I, what, what would John Favreau say are my four or five scenes? <laughs> like, that's great tool to just even put on mm -hmm. your stuff too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I um, think that's interesting because 
we've talked about this before, like, uh, like that sort of philosophy or the different uh, books or people who talk about writing process, that it's a great way to look at something once it's written, yes. right, to check, but it's hard to generate from that place, Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't be able to be like, what are my four or five amazing seeds? Because I, I don't know yet. I don't really know. I'm, I'm always sort of, I get inspired by an idea or a character, and then I sort of have to follow them to figure out, like, Meg, what you're talking about, like, what are they going to do in that pipe, in that, you know, in that parking lot, and they just picked up a pipe. Like, I don't, you know, oh, is this not a comedy? It's a drama, you know, so <laughs> I, I sort of am in the discovery process. But I think once you have something, you can look at something like that and say like, oh, is this hero's journey? Is this save the cat? Do I have those four or five things? Yeah, I think speaking of that, um, if you look on the Facebook page, everybody, um, one of our writers posted a link to Michael Arndt's new video, mm -hmm. which I highly recommend. I mean, first of all, if you just want to know what it's like to work at Pixar, just watch this video. It's amazing. Like there's literally <laughs> a part, there's a cartoon moment, animated moment of Michael Arndt, um, uh, uh, strangling, uh, uh, Andrew Stan. It's amazing. Uh, uh, so, but it's really, really a good tool to think about your project if you have a script but don't originate from it even michael would tell you he's not giving yeah. you this video to originate he's giving it to you because you've got the lump and something isn't working or you keep getting these notes or whatever go and do what he's saying put this down can you mark these things that he realized about character and there you know there's great ones about keeping how to keep characters active within scene right so I really highly recommend it. He and I diverge probably as you get towards the end of act two and act three, and we have different approaches, right? In terms of what interests us and what we're going for, but that's okay. That's his tool. I'm still going to put his tool down on top of mine. So I totally mm -hmm. really agree with Lorian. It's any tool is um, to put onto the clay. Uh, it's not to originate, but really check. It's on the Facebook page, the link. So check it out, you guys. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. This Michael Arndt video. It's amazing. I haven't watched it yet, new. so now I'm excited. It's I'm brand excited new. We did one yes. before. This is the brand new one. It just dropped like, yeah. like a week ago. And I'm going to put it in the okay. podcast description as well, um, as well That's as a link good. to our Facebook group. So when this episode drops, it'll have the Elizabeth Gilbert video, the Michael Arndt video, and a link to join our Facebook group. I would highly uh, encourage you to join the Facebook group. It's incredible. Yeah, I'm putting stuff up Woo. on the Facebook group. Like when I did my talk at the Academy, I mentioned when I taught mm -hmm. at UCLA, I found I realized I was asking the same 20 questions over and over and over. And somebody said, what are they? So I was like, oh, I should put that on the Facebook group of the podcast too. So I just put that up there. These are the 20 questions that as a producer, I kept asking these young writers over and over and over to know about their project. So on the Facebook page, we're going to we'll be dropping lots of different fun stuff for you to use. Lots of tools, tools for the toolbox. Tools. Um, yeah. I guess we should do the question real quick, right? Yes. Yeah. Can yeah. We? You want to read it? <laughs> it's a pretty simple one. Um, basically, so two different people wrote in kind of basically with the same question. Both Maggie um, and Kate both asked about rights issues. Maggie is adapting a semi-obscure play into a feature film without the rights. And Kate has an amazing feature film idea that involves an iconic Christmas character that's actually owned, that character is owned by another company. And they're both asking questions like, can you send your script out and use the draft? Use what you wrote to obtain the rights? Um, can you still register with the WGA? I don't know the legality of registering with the WGA. I would say go ahead and do it just because why not? Like nobody's, do it. you might as well, might yes. as well. But the big, big takeaway is don't write without rights. <laughs> yeah. Get the rights. I have to say, get 
because yep. it's get the right. If you if you want to say like I know Maggie said she just has to because she just feels so drawn to this piece. So if you can in your heart, and I really mean think about it, can you in your heart know that it's a writing exercise? And that it, it is about making your craft better. It's about being a better writer. It's about attaching to who you are and finding your voice. Then go ahead. But really, do not think you're going to make money from it. You could maybe even use it as a sample. I think you can, but I, I will ask my lawyer and post that on Facebook. I don't know if you can use it as a sample. I think you can, but again, I'll ask the lawyer. But really, in terms of your heartbreak, <laughs> Be very, very careful about doing anything without rights. Go get them. I mean, what the heck? Ask. Yeah. yeah. I've been, I have been, I've had this experience where I didn't know who had the rights to something and it did not turn out well for me. Uh, so get the rights. Know who has the rights. Get the rights. Always. And rights yeah. are not that expensive. I don't know about the Christmas character. I, that's a, a, They might be a little more expensive. Maybe not, though. Here's the thing that people who have rights respond to. Passion. I wanted rights to a book, and I, I, I got to the writer, I, author by going to the literary, by going to the publisher who gave me the literary agent, and then she allowed, she worked to help me get on the phone with the author, and I just passionately told her why I loved her book, what I saw in it why I thought it would make a great television series, what I would do, who the character was, really just from my heart. And it spoke to her. And so she gave me the rights. And again, rights don't have to be super expensive either. I mean, not in my case, but a lot of times, sometimes they'll give you them for, they have to be a certain amount of money to be legal, I think it's like a hundred bucks or something. You could, But you can do a shopping shopping option, which is like a dollar for a certain amount of time, right? Which depending on how well known the property is or, you know, but yeah, it's not, it's it's not obscure that play. complicated. I don't think that obscure play is going to be that expensive. So mm -hmm. Maggie, for sure for you, you've got to just do your due diligence and see if you can get those rights and be passionate. And I, I knew a, a woman who I taught at UCLA who became so good at getting rights, she flew all over the country getting them. And she didn't do it with a lot of money. It was all about her passion. So and in yeah. terms of a Christmas character, ask. You've got to know, because if the answer is no over our dead body, then you're really deciding what you're writing and that it is a yeah. writing exercise. And I know it's funny, right? It's like standing on that rock and not wanting to jump to the next rock because you're afraid there's no rock there or that rock's going to like turn to you and say, you suck. But it's the same thing, right? Of not getting the rights. I have to say, it's the same inclination of not wanting to go find yeah. out because what if the answer is no, and then I can't write it and I have to suffer disappointment back to my theme. Yes, there may be disappointment, but at least you're going to know what you're dealing yeah. with, right? Mm -hmm. That you can make yeah. clear-headed. And yeah. I'm guessing so get the rights. I'm yeah. guessing that the uh, playwright of this obscure play is looking forward to the phone call of being told that their work is beloved. You know, I think it can only lead to something. Sure. And a uh, quick story: If you guys are Greta Gerwig fans listening to the show, there's a very pivotal scene in Lady Bird where Crimea River plays the Justin Timberlake song. She wrote Justin Timberlake an impassioned letter and was like, hey, our budget can't really afford this song, but my characters need this. This was such an important song to me growing up. And he gave it to her for very little money. So you never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. And the Christmas character, you know what? You may have a version or a way to re-enliven this Christmas character to bring it back to modern times or it's a new t twist on it. You know, write that down and register that because the WG, they might steal it. But 
probably they won't because it's all about, they don't know how to write a script, these people probably, right? They need a writer. So ask, go ask so that you know you're doing one. Yeah, Um, definitely. Okay. So thank you guys for tuning into the Screenwriting Life on Popcorn Talk Network. Our plan is we're going to keep doing this. Here we go. We're going to be back every week. Please, please send us your questions. It really helps us know what topics you need. Um, We're thinking about bringing in a TV um, writer to answer a lot of the TV questions that are coming in. So send us your TV questions so that when we get this person in, we've got a lot of great stuff to talk to him or her about. So stay safe and keep writing. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.